Well, um, I'd like to start today's podcast, the very first podcast for mental health affairs that's not a transcribed blog post. Uh, today is Halloween. It's Halloween weekend. It's October 30th. And I'm here with uh, Ember Manos Bele. This is really, really very exciting uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, and first, I'd like to introduce um, what I know um, of your work, Ember. But first, I want you to say hi uh, to everybody out there. Hello, everyone. There, you heard her. Hi. That is the voice of Ember. Nice to be here. She loves it here. Well, it is a pleasure being here. Uh, it's a pleasure being here with you, Ember. And um, if I could just tell everybody very quickly, how, you know, how this came to be. Is that okay? Yeah. All right, cool. So... You know, there I was um, on my way down to, I think it was Manhattan at the time. I brought my mother, all right? I was meeting um, uh, a colleague for City Voices, I think it was. And we were going to go to a comedy play about mental health. And it was uh, a mental health, uh, you know, laugh at laugh at mental health thing, that sort of event. And there, inside, uh, I, I believe it was some sort of eatery. Uh, perhaps even a uh, um, Chipotle. It was a Chipotle. Yes, it was. I was going to say uh, an upgraded Taco Bell. Um, I don't want to get sued. Uh, but it was a Chipotle. We didn't eat, but we were there. And you were sitting, and I was gazing at you. I'm like, who is this? Who is this? And and uh, my colleague, it was Dan Frey at the time from City Voices, uh, introduced me to you. And I intru- and, and there we were together um, in, in thought, in speak. And, and and you came and you you introduced yourself and you were you were such a delight. Uh, it was like a breath of fresh air, and I didn't even know anything yet. I did not know who you were. So Ember, who are you? Well. <laughs> who are you, Ember? Tell us just a little bit about who you are, and then I'll I'll take it from there and, and give a little bit more background on everything that is you. Um. Well, I'm a uh, uh, schizophrenic female. My uh, pronouns are she, he. <laughs> and uh, um, you can do they if you want. That doesn't bother me. It doesn't, doesn't hurt me in any way. But um, I, uh, I grew up in the Bronx in a large family, Irish Catholic family, uh, many brothers and sisters. Um, from about eight years old, I realized I wanted to be a writer. Um, I like solitude. I started liking solitude at that age. Um, the other girls on the block were very active. They had more than me. They had more toys. They had roller skates, bicycles, and all this stuff. And the brand new bell bottoms of the time. I, I was I was about seven years old in '67, so that gives you an idea of the time that I grew up in. Um, but I ended up, you know, not wanting to play with them so much. I remember I would t- I would be out playing with a friend, and I would say I have to go to the bathroom, and then I would go inside and open a book and sit there and read the book. And never go outside again. So no wonder I had no friends. <laughs> but um, I really enjoyed solitude. I enjoyed reading. And then I started writing. 
And I never really followed it up. I um, tried to get a good education. I went to uh, Bronx Science, which was a wonderful, wonderful experience. Just the energy of all those New York poor kids that had oversized intellect was just amazing. And uh, I had a schizophrenic break. Well, I was diagnosed at 20 and I had a really bad break at 30. So that changed my life and I got involved in the mental health system. But I like to write. And um, during my 20s, I had worked in business. And at 35, I went to school to get my master's in counseling because, you know, the, the buzz basically was you need something to support yourself. So, and writing wasn't going to do it. Counseling. And uh, got married and worked and everything. And then in about 2005, everything fell apart. In 2007, and I moved into uh, a big room that I just walked into a real estate, got this big room, and I was living with a drug addict Muslim, which is kind of like a uh, paradox, <laughs> drug addict Muslim, but he was a great roommate. And I moved in there, and I was alone, and I, no one knew where I was, and I bought a laptop and just started writing. So basically how I describe myself, I'm a very much a female, very much a schizophrenic, and very much a writer. Wow. And a counselor too. A lot, a lot, and, and so much more. Um, and 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 there was, there we were. What was it? Just two years ago. In that, remind me, it was a Chipotle, right? And I didn't know anything about you. I didn't know any of this. All I knew is you had long locks of of curly hair, those glasses that you have on, um, perhaps now or perhaps a slightly different pair. Um, they look both look great on you. But the point is. There you were, and we started talking, and I started talking about myself, like I do, right? My writing, and I'm, I'm an author or whatever. And then you look at me; I got this look, like, all right, uh, you know, keep talking, keep talking. And, and I knew you were about to, to to unleash everything that you were. And there, there, then you let out. I'm a writer too. And I looked; I'm like, okay, all right, she's a writer. What else is she? And then our conversations went from there. And you know we became friends, and 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 from there I learned so much about your writing, your work, your books, um, you as a as a as a therapist, you as an advocate, um, the ember that is the ember that is a New Yorker, the ember that revolutionized Chicklet and and Chicklet in New York, um, wow. yeah, yeah, I mean so much. You know, when I was first introduced to Chiclet, it was uh, it was in 2007, okay, and a year that that resonates with you. I'm sitting in a classroom with a whole bunch of um, angry, bitter women. Um, they were girls. They were girls. They weren't even women yet, um, and they were all angry. It was a summer session. I guess they all had breakups too. Uh, that's why they were there. And we were it was a Chiclet class, and we were all reading about how evil the men were um, in the book. And of course, there there I am and. You know, not realizing how social stuff works yet, because I wasn't a social worker. I sided with the man in the book, and uh, in the class, let at it. They they went at me. They went at me, and uh, I learned wow. in that moment what chiclet was. As women will, as women will, and as women do. Um, and 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 my foolishness um, back then, and 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 now when I I read chiclet, and when I read your chiclet, um, and and what you've done with the genre. Um, it, you know, it really strikes me as 
Well, tell us, how did you make it your own? Um, you know, I think that, you know, um, growing up as a female in America, um, relatively middle class, um, you get ideas and, you know, the gender, you get ideas from your mom, you get ideas from other little girls. And the whole thing about it was as a woman, you need to be beautiful, sexy, and attract the man. And that's what I grew up with. And the anxiety that that brings about in any human being is like, oh, now I have to be beautiful. I can't gain weight. My hair has to be straight and smooth. Um, you know, I, I really should have been a couple of inches taller and my legs should have been a couple of inches longer. You know, all about the appearance, which is basically reflecting what white male society says a woman should be. And um, it creates anxiety in me, it created a breakdown. And um, I realized after my first marriage, because I didn't mention this, but I got married in uh, 2006 to someone I had been dealing with for about six years. And to me, this was success. You know, I, I tied the knot, that was success. And of course I had gone to Bronx Science, I was considered highly intelligent. I had gone to Columbia University, Barnard College. And, you know, I should have been thinking like, I should, should I have really been thinking that I need long, straight blonde hair and I need to be five foot six to succeed in life? You know, but th this is the paradox. This is dichotomy. This is the contradiction in terms of being a woman and being a person in your own right in America. Oh, my God. I could have um, said that so as myself. I said, I did get married, and that marriage broke up. And I felt a sense of loss, but I also felt a sense of freedom because I knew I didn't want to do it again. I knew that I... What? No. I mean, I could have said that better myself. I knew, I knew that I, I um, did not want that life of cooking, cleaning, and catering to a man. Okay. And um, and when I started writing, it was out of anger. It was out of anger. It was... So let me pause you right there if I can. Yeah. You've given us the ingredients, the fuel, the anger that drove your work forward. And and, and if I may be so bold to capitalize... It was out of anger, and I, as a... Uh, as a person who reads I had grown up with a lot of novels about women yes and women are a lot of things all, all different but not all rail skinny right with straight hair and and the uh, perfect um, um, you know visualization visualized thing that society makes them. You weren't right. those things, Eileen. You you made that clear in your writing. You had to sit within that paradox. You're not perfect. You have issues. And you are a woman, right? And I think that the fact that you did that, that you had this counter discourse within Chicklet, was part of this revolution that I'm trying to, to gesture towards. You started a revolution with your anger. 
and and it took shape and it 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 it, it had us see your shape, your features, your flaws, and and made us understand that you know what, this is chiclet. What we were reading before, I mean, that's this pseudo this pseudo intellectual garbage, if I, if I could just say it. Um, and then when when I came to you and I started reading your writing, I'm like, this is real stuff. This is chiclet. Um, uh, uh, behind the doors of of what everything um, that you know uh, culture makes it out to be, you got underneath it. You got to the real thing, and that's what I applaud. You know about your work. It's real. It's authentic. It's you, and and you don't let the genre interrupt your writing, and you also don't let um, a- a- any of these ideas of what writing should be and, and what uh, a person's life should be interrupt your writing either. You, you're you, and and we learned that it's okay to be ourselves through your writing. I learned that, Eileen, uh, Ember. You know, I learned that that it's okay to have flaws, to have doubts, and 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 the world, the world is full of them. And to think that we can rise above them just by having straight hair and 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 having a perfect marriage, well, that's bullshit. And you and you pointed that out so astutely um, and so savvily in your writing. And, and that's so, so important for everybody, especially women, I think, to read that. Oh, God, I had to say it. Take it from there, Ember. Well, thank you. I appreciate your your appreciation. And uh, I do want to say that that going to Barnard, um, it caught up with me at around that time. Because I learned at Barnard uh, to self-direct it being a woman's Yeah, it being a woman's college um, of very bright women, and I was probably in the lower lower core of the class. But that didn't matter. I was surrounded by these women who wanted to be people, not women they wanted to be everything a human being could be and i was very influenced by erica jong i wanted to mention that um great she wrote fear of flying and uh how to save your own life and 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 just several other books and um she was from barnard as well um but she was wasn't afraid, and I learned this from her to talk talk about your sexual experience, to talk about your the, the imagery of art that get that 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 flows through you. It was flowing through me, and I do want to say that 
like you said, I said it was all right. I do want to say that being unconventional, you know, or being different, you know, or having a different way of looking at things can be so exciting and so exhilarating. And you wake up every morning and you're like really thrilled to take that shower. You may have a low level depression all the time because of your illness, but life becomes a wonder, a magical place, you know? And that's, for me, that's saying a lot because I was in the Bronx, you know? And as I described in my book, Climbing Toward November, which I have right here, Climbing Toward November. What a read. Um, I I describe, you know, the blue collar nature, the 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 starkness of the of the Bronx, you know, neighborhood, um, inner city kind of like environment that I was in, but there was still a sense of wonder. I was I was in wonder at my roommate who was basically uh this man, he was an immigrant who just basically, you know, sat in his apartment, did drugs and drank beer and went to work. And to me, he was like a fascinating person. I, coming out, breaking out of that shell of what a woman should be and becoming what a woman is or becoming what you are is an amazing experience. And it fills you with a, a love and a zest for life. And I hope I was able to do that in my writing. So, you know, um, you know, all the influences that I had, I'm very grateful for my education. Um, I encourage women to have an education and to think about what they want to do. Um, in my other book, um, you know, um, um, Pause in the Western Rhythm, I bring out the idea that a woman doesn't even have to think about marriage, you know, because marriage, what I see marriage as is, I mean, there are some people that fall in love when they're young and they have the same goals and yes, they have a good marriage and they have children. Yes, more power to them. But the, the my view of marriage is that it's a, it's a, a domination, submission kind of relationship. And um, one of the partners is always dominating the other partner. And in my marriages, I realized that I did not want to be dominated. And usually it's the man that does the dominate. And I found that living with somebody, you, you lose part of yourself. And um, you can coexist with somebody to a certain degree, as long as you have an understanding that you're not a man and a woman. You are not a dominant and submissive can enjoy each other's other's um, strengths and positive attributes, um, and that's basically what I wanted to say in my writing. But the deep anger, I think, comes from the societal, the deeply embedded societal aspects of of, of man woman relationships, and um, you know, of the beliefs about marriage. And they are deeply embedded and they strike you at every moment um, in living in this world. You know, um, 
you know, I got all kinds of stuff from, you know, from men like, why don't you smile? And how come you, you're not skinny? Things like that, you know, like, well, you're not smiling all the time and you're not skinny either, you know? So why are you imposing that stuff on me? You know, and I often found that the way for a woman to, to really express herself and really know who she is, is to learn how to talk, learn how to articulate. And if you can, learn how to write or do some kind of art or expression where your true self comes out, your emotions come out, and those so-called ugly emotions like anger and hatred and resentment can find a, a focus, they can find a, an outlet. And that outlet can come out to be something strangely beautiful, which I hope my work is. Without a doubt, Ember. Without a doubt, it's it's. it's... So that's that's it, and um, oh, I enjoyed writing, and I enjoyed writing my second book, and I have one book of poetry. Um, I hope to continue to write, and there's lots of other things I enjoy in life. One of my therapists told me, Eileen, you can't be a writer in the kind of like in the in the tradition of someone like Virginia Woolf, um, you know, which I wouldn't want to be. You know, Virginia Woolf was a great writer. She got along with men. She was in the Harvard literary circles. But in the end, she walked into the sea with rocks in her pocket. She couldn't deal with it anymore. And I don't want that to happen to me. I want to live life as much as I can up until the end. And um, I, I don't believe that because you become who you are, you will self-destruct. Um, and... Uh, you know, the writing is something I enjoy, but life is something I also enjoy. You know, when the therapist told me I couldn't be like Virginia Woolf, he's basically telling me that I couldn't be a straight shooting intellectual writer because I enjoyed too many things. I enjoy going out to eat. I enjoy hanging out with my family. I enjoy going for walks. I enjoy talking to strangers. I enjoy buying clothes. You know, and when it comes down to like talking about my genre as chiclet, well, I do enjoy female things. I like to buy products for my hair and put on lipstick once in a while. But that is not who I am. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, um, you know, the, the dark part of chiclet comes out too when you know, you're realizing that some of the aspects of yourself, of your personality are not that pretty. And the novel is what you call the pseudo-intellectual garbage that I grew up with, you know, about these, you know, romance, throw them down on the bed. You know, that's very exciting, but that's not real life. That's not real life. Real life is, and especially for someone with schizophrenia or schizoaffective disorder, it's dealing with demons, lots of demons. Yeah. It's mental health demons, you know, emotional demons, it's societal demons, and it's the demons of your own art, you know, because art is basically staring at yourself as you are, and your your weaknesses, and sitting with that, and saying, how can I turn this into something that is positive? How can I turn this into something that people would be interested in, in finding out about? You know, so. Oh my God. Yeah, so... You know, just want to say, you know, I'm really glad. I'm really happy to do this podcast. I hope I've shared some stuff that's enlightening to you or to anybody else. Um, huge, huge, Ember. Uh, I and, mean, uh, 
I, I just want to say, Max, you know, after having met you, you know, you were someone who really stood behind me as a support. And you being a white male, that was very surprising. Um, but you being a writer and a schizophrenic, which has nothing to do with Jen, what made us friends. And not, not only that, but your attitude, you know, your professional attitude about your work, um, your lack of, you know, pettiness and cattiness is really great, you know. So I'll just say that. Any other questions for me? So many, so many. We're not letting you go just yet. Um, I mean, thank you for thank you for those wonderful things you said about us and about me and and all these pearls that you gave about so, life, um, Ember. So many. I, so, I lost my audio. No, I hear you just fine. Um, I hear you. I hear you. And and I'm gonna say for just now that you gave us wisdom, and that's what resonates in your book it's it's wisdoms wisdoms with you know bracket that s uh it's 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 like your we can follow your thought process in a very you know real sort of way and and you don't beat around the bush you don't stay in keeping with anything because yeah well the 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 writing that i do you know sometimes i think about you know a lot of it's very personal and very much based on my own experience like a memoir mm-hmm. but i do embellish and i do make up things um, and, you know, as far as, you know, just sitting down. Mm-hmm. I didn't hear that last part. Um, the embellishments, the embellishments don't, um, they may be there, but they definitely are, are um, enmeshed into the very fabric of your writing. It's not as if they throw the reader. We know where we are. We know who we're dealing with at all times, you know, and you make it very clear about who you are and, and what you think. And that's what really struck me too about you. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. And one other thing I want to say is sure. that, you know, I don't come from a background of like parents that kind of set an example of me as a famous person. Like my family worked very hard to put their children to college. Um, and we didn't have a lot growing up. Very interesting about your parents. I did not know that. I did not know um, the, uh, you know, where they came from. In what way? I, I, I wasn't aware of, you know, um, how they how they impacted you in that way, and your identity, you know, because so much of who you are in these books, it's all identity, and 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 you also paint a very vivid picture about your thoughts on other people's identities. Can I go there, Eileen? Hey, Ember, can I go there? Can I talk about the sociologist professor, um, um, the guru that is that is the wisdom of the world and how culture works. Uh, I see you as an orator in front of a sociology seminar, okay? Uh, upper level seminar in, in in any institution from West Coast to oh, East, yes, okay? Please. You are orating about how how cultures interact, how you get inside the very mindset of different classes in a very Marxist, uh, but, but in, in a very revealing way, you know? Like, I, I, when I, it's... Where did you get this information? I know you learned it. You said you had a, a very, you know, um, 
you know, intense education. But this goes beyond education. And it must be go beyond your years because it's, it's as if you you are an anthropologist, a sociologist, and a law professor, all in one. And we get that all in your writing. It's it's we get it all, and you give us all. Thank you, I thank you. You know, not every author gives us every part of them, and I think that's that's very that's really important. I need to say. Well, yeah, I, I don't know where it all comes from. I don't know it's there until I open my mouth or sit down and write. You know, I don't know it's there, but it's just this years of reading. I, I guess, you know, I read anything and everything. I was reading about the Catholic Church and the medieval history when I was 11 years old. I was reading sociology. My sister was a sociology professor. Um, you know, I got the psychology from... Um, from um, you know uh, my my graduate school work, um, and I was interested in psychology anyway. I remember there was a book when I was in Barnard, um, and I wasn't considered such a special anything at all in Barnard. I was just you know one of these scholarship kids that came up from the Bronx, and I kept I I wasn't even that involved in the in the psychiatric community, but I loved reading about abnormal psychology and there was a book that i read over and over and over again it was called the experience of anxiety and i would read it before i went to sleep at night and one of my friends said uh well i didn't have that many friends this one particular friend said whenever i see you you're reading that book haven't you finished it yet and i said it's about the 10th time that i read it <laughs> so i was always reading and i would read things over and over again um and I do have a memory that some people say can, like, kill a duck. I mean, I remember things. Thank God for that, because unfortunately... Making money. You know, writers are poor artists, you know, poor starving artists. They have a hard time making money. And to me, what's exciting is living on, like, a couple of dollars in your pocket. That to me is an adventure. So that's how I deal with business, you know? Um, and as far as my books, I would love people to read them and get something out of them and enjoy life. Um, as for becoming a million dollar author, it was never one of my goals. I just would like people to know who I am, I guess. That's that's ego for you, I guess, you know? Maybe your ego, but it's been my plan this whole podcast. We wanna know who you are because the world needs to know because writers and scholars need to pick up your work uh, from today until the end of time, uh, you know, before literacy dies out and before this discourse dries up, it's always gonna be uh, your discourse because you defined it, uh, redefined it and, 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 and made it, made it raise the bar, you know, raised the level of writing and the level of scholarship to a place that, you know, we had no idea Chicklet could go. We had no idea, you know. Um, sociology had so many had such a force, um, and, and, and you know, in this in this genre, you took things and you molded them, and you cross pollinated them, and you took a piece of you there with it, and from there it was it became its own thing. It became um, a monolithic thing that will stand, I think, the test of time. Quite honestly, Amber, the test of time. 
and I guess we'll see, right? It's all we can do. But you know, I I think that yeah, the test of time. yeah, I think that you know, if people aren't there to at least know your story, we're doing the world as a disservice. And you did too much, uh, you know, uh, in your writing and and in your work to not at least, um, you know, give people the opportunity to hear about it and learn about it. That's why we're here. I want people to know who you are in your work. Can you tell us about your books so people can find them, look at them, hold them in their hands, and and cherish them? Okay. Well. Yeah, um, this was my first book that I wrote in that room, Farmington, November. And basically, it's about um, my life after my first marriage, um, mistakes I made, the sex I had, um, the relationships I had, um, the area that I lived, how I was able to live on my own, how I was able to uh, take steps, you know, which required some courage. Um, I really wanted to get away from what I thought was a a loop in my life, you know, um, and uh, you know, getting jobs, losing them over and over again, um, getting boyfriends, going on from one boyfriend to the next boyfriend, and then the marriage that he just left, um, he just left on his own, and and I wanted to get away from that, and I stepped out, walked into a you know, how many people do that? I mean, step out and walk into a real estate office and, and say, I need a room and I'll pay for it. You know, how did I pay for it? <laughs> yeah, maybe I shouldn't even mention it, but I didn't have the money. I had a credit line from the bank. It was back in the 90s when if you had good credit, you know, you were able to uh, to have money. Um, you know, so, you know, I did it. I did what I did. I did what I could with the resources I had to make myself a new life. And um, I loved every minute of it. I loved every minute of it. And I wanted to write about it because I guess that's a natural thing. When when you're going through some kind of joy, you want to share it in some way or other. And and my 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 uh, genre, my, my, my way, my venue for, for sharing was through my writing. And uh, the second book that I wrote was 10 years later. It was Poison the Western Rhythm. Which, you know, if people think, you know, if they get some kind of idea when I'm talking about my education, all the stuff that I read, they think I'm very intelligent. Well, this is where the chiclet comes in. Why does a woman do what she does? Well, I got married a second time <laughs> to, a, a, to an immigrant again. And uh, that, that, that was the real, when my eyes opened to feminism at my second marriage. And I started reading... Uh, Simone de Beauvoir and some of the other feminist writers. And uh, I just, you know, being brought up in my family, my mother never said, I mean, it, it came through in the culture, but my, never said, my mother never said point blank to me, your job is to get married and have kids. Well, I married a, a Muslim Arab and he had never seen a woman that did not accept as a matter of course that she was subservient to her husband. Um, as we all know, in Arab countries, women can't walk alone alone by themselves. They have to be accompanied by their brother or their father. Um, you know, and you know, there was an eye opener to me, my second marriage. And it was a, in a lot of ways, it was a mistake. Many ways it was a mistake. 
but I learned from it. And my second book came out of it, Pause in the Western Rhythm. Um, and Pause in the Western Rhythm, if you want to take the elements of chiclet, like it has the whole thing where the guy seduces the woman, convinces her she's beautiful, brings her little gifts, is sweet as pie to her family, you know, the 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 image the dream man tall dark and handsome you know the the dream man for any woman and i fell for it hook line and sinker which which you know that being the mystery of women that they always have they they are wired in certain ways they can be wired in great ways but they can be wired in self-destructive ways too so um yeah so i fell for that 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 whole fantasy of the perfect man and then I lived with it and it became a horror show. So that's what my second book was about, my second novel, basically about about all the dichotomies and paradoxes in being a woman in this society. Um, and as an educated woman who's told that you do have a brain and you can think for yourself, well, what does she do with the other part of her that's supposed to be a plaything for a man? as society tells her she should be, you know? So, so all that comes, comes, and it's very complex and I'm not sure if I made it clear. And I will say, you know, to tell the truth about myself, I am often confused <laughs> about, about certain things and I don't have a clear, a clear line of, of attack all the time in life. Um, but you know, I, I, I love the struggle. I love being alive. I love being who I am actually um in many ways in many ways and i'll continue the struggle thank god thank god someone has to and someone has to teach us how and you teach us how in your writing your altruism the fact that you bring this to us uh you know because you want to and you think it's going to better the world and you're bettering the world every day and you we haven't even got into your your, your job your role as an advocate um your role you know what you've done on a systems level on a human level um, with you and your your own contacts, your own friends, how you bring this altruism and this this love and yearning for life to them, and 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 helping them heal in a very in a very real um, way that goes beyond friendship. It, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's 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 I think it's an act of righteous righteousness. Um, speaking as someone who believes in doing the right thing, you do the right thing, um, and you make it your mission. And I think, you know, we all look and say, wow, she's on a mission and she's going to complete it because you do it with such, such, uh, um, you know, passion that how can it not be accomplished? It's going to get done. We believe in you and we believe in your work. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a big bill to fit, but thank you. Um, I really, uh, you know, my altruism, I guess, comes from maybe my Christian background, my Catholic background. My mother um, was a, a school teacher. Um, she, my mother was a, uh, uh, if she, if my grandmother, if my mother's mother had lived in our time, my mother never would have been born. My mother my grandmother got was a was a flapper. She was a woman ahead of her time back in the twenties, and she got pregnant, and that was my mother. So my mother grew up without a normal, you know, two parent family um, in a time when that wasn't really accepted. 
Um, and but she, thank God that my mother, you know, loved learning too, and she passed it on to us. And uh, you know, um, you don't really appreciate your mother until you're much older, you know, in life. But you know, my mother—it's because of my mother and my father's love for my mother. My father's love for me. You know, my father was there when I was sick. Uh, I can't. You know, um, when I was first in the in the system, I really wanted to break away from my family and develop my own um, my own personality. But I do believe you always go back home. And what does that mean? Not that you go back to the physical house, but you go back to the way you were when you were brought up. And you know. In my later years, I really did appreciate what my the legacy that my parents gave me. Um, coming coming from the Bronx, poor Catholic, um, my mother always wanted us to serve in some way, um, society, um, and I didn't want to be a so I didn't want to be a social worker or a teacher, and I didn't want to be a. Uh, you know, I'm just saying, you know, like when you talk about, you know, the altruism, uh, it's something that I got from the tradition that I was brought up in. And I also, my mother always said to me, you love a challenge, Eileen. Whenever I was having a problem and I would come to her crying, she would say, but you love a challenge, don't you? Because there's something about being able to stick your tongue out at the world and say, F you, I did it. It's so satisfying to me and I'm sure to other people. When you're being told that you can do it and you do do it, um, so um, and and I also found in myself a love for the mentally ill because I knew what they were feeling, I knew the depression and the hopelessness they were feeling, and there was just something inside me itching to say, "There's a way for you. There's a way for us. We can do it. We can find our own way. We are strong. We are human, and humans are strong and beautiful." And, you know, I read the Psalms and there's this one line from the Psalm. It says, thank you, Lord, that I am wonderfully and fearfully made. And I think humans are wonderfully and fearfully made. All of that. So, wow. wow. You know, that's what I go by. Well, that's what we read in your work. Uh, and this love for humanity, this, this, this yearning and passion to have people rise above their station or at least understand their station enough where, you know, they can cope with their reality, you know, and, and you've taught me on a personal level how to cope with my reality better. Um, and, and, and you teach everyone in your, in your writing how to be their better selves and live in a healthier context when they understand, you know, a little bit more about the world and a little bit more about why they are the way they are. Because I think people learn about themselves through your writing. And certainly, you know, your journey speaks to a lot of self-learning. And, and that's what that's what I hear. And that's what's so important. That's what we want people out there to read your books. Because they too can get a piece of that piece of that uh, skill set to know how to be their better selves. I'm all about and you know, my own mission has always been hey, let's have people be who they want to be, get them towards their goals or or at least get them to a place where, you know, they can make a plan, um, feel better, understand how to feel better, um, or or understand what's stopping them. Something that's gonna put them in a healthier context for living. And 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 you know, we may not be the healthiest people. We may not be uh, I may not be of, you know, 
rail skinny or best looking or whatever it is that people want um you know a man to be and 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 whatever the world wants a woman to be in the sense you know that we see this chiclet uh you know narrative and and, and what you contest and in your counter discourse but it's it's like you know it's 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 everything i mean and you capture my sentiment about mental health and about how we have to challenge all the stuff out there that's interfering with people's progress and if we can't fix it teach them how to get around it um teach them how to live in spite of it teach people and and model for people that the world may be the way it is but we don't have to be uh you know uh we don't have to suffer for it you know and and we could we could be happy if we choose to be or at least know why we're not and then maybe the next day um be okay enough to you know um challenge that and 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 rediscover ourselves because it's 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 all about invention and through your unconventional writing we found conventions for living and conventions uh for 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 being um our best selves and thank you for being your best self throughout your journey as a writer and an author um and 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 we 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 take away from that people will benefit from that from now until um you know writing becomes uh a thing and i just want to say max you know that you know um it's because of you people like you that you know i mean it's just amazing um the way you're able to put yourself forward and i've come to visit you sometimes in your apartment and i just want to say favorite thing about my apartment your apartment is that big sign over the kitchen never give up and to me that's that that speaks of you and it speaks of a jumping point for people who who have found themselves mentally ill and psychotic and in the hospital and without a without a, a pot to piss and never give up and you know you have you have actually been a gift to me and i just want to say that thank you thank you thank you ever thank you for being here today thank you for giving us the gift of you uh so we can gift it to the world because it's certainly worth unwrapping and i think inside you know this 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 wrapping paper that is who you are and 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 what you've given us is a very special present um that's to be savored you know when we when i read your writing I, i said oh wow i remember i was at a diner i'm like okay i'm reading this now i can't rush this shit this is good you know and, it, and like you know like <laughs> that never hits me i hate i'm a writer but i don't like reading I, i know that's a lot of us but come on you know when you read something and you say to yourself i need to savor this that's a special moment and and a lot of my moments with you have been special and 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 i think that specialness that unique quality that difference um is is what makes you so compelling and your writing so compelling and i think people are going to find that out and discover that for themselves i'm going to i'm going to leave it there and just say thank you for being here today thank you for uh being on this podcast and uh you know thank you for for at least helping us this this far on our journey and 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 maybe everything that you've given us we can take it from here or else or else we certainly know uh who to ask for help because i think you'll always be there watching over us uh through your work and through your uh legacy thank you max thank you so much thank you take good care and uh for all you folks out there uh tune back in 
Um, this was a very special um, interview, a very special uh, time we had with Ember, Ember Manos Bele, book author, a mental health advocate, behavioral health specialist, and friend, altruist, um, and compatriot art comrade to humanity and its journey uh, through the abyss and the unknown. Thank you, folks.